Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring, fascinating women who are navigating aging with class and sass. I'm your host, Nicole Christina. Hey everyone, I am so grateful for all of the downloads, and I'd love a rating on iTunes and a comment. And please subscribe. It helps the show's rating so other people can find it and learn how to age well. And if you are loving the podcast, why not check out the companion online course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. You can access it through my website, NicoleChristina.com forward slash Zestful Aging. It's based on the Harvard Study of Adult Development, and I'm really proud of how it's turned out. Well, I've got my coffee in my hand and my trusty dog Sparky beside me, so let's begin. Today we have a special guest who is a departure from my usual inspiring woman. Instead, we have our first inspiring man. Stephen Loring is a documentary filmmaker and screenwriter and wrote for NBC, CBS, and Lifetime. And his recent documentary, The Age of Love, has been seen in 14 countries and won numerous awards. The film follows a speed dating event, the first of its kind, for 70 to 90-year-olds and takes place in upstate New York. And we get to know the participants before, during, and after the speed dating event. One of the most poignant parts of the film is where Loring is with seniors one-on-one as they open their feedback envelopes to find out who wants a second date with them. And Caven Peterson of ChangingAging.org describes the film as transformational. This film humanizes aging in an unprecedented way. In addition to the film's charm and tenderness, there's an unusual bonus at the film screenings. Lauren gives out speed dating kits so people can start these events in their own community. And as we know, loneliness is epidemic in our country and in the world. And this is his way to contribute to a solution to that. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Well, it's my pleasure. It's always interesting to talk uh, to different audiences about this uh, project. And love is everywhere. Love is uh, intergenerational, multi-generational. And so uh, you know, this, is, this is something I'm really committed to uh, sharing. That, that's, uh, that's obvious when, uh, you know, I, I heard you talk on the panel. You're, you're very animated and you, you do seem very committed to this. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading that people of all ages are resonating with the film and it's having a social impact. I saw that it was being uh, screened at AARP and some other senior initiatives. And I'm wondering if you consider yourself a social activist. Well, not really. Um, I guess I would call myself more of a social anthropologist. I'm a, a researcher at heart. Uh, I've always been interested in 
finding out and listening and observing more than I am being up on stage. Uh, I began as a research chemist early in my career, and I was looking at uh, the biology of the brain. And I've always kind of approached things from a research perspective. And the chance to talk to people about what's in their hearts and expose the emotional lives of a generation that we don't usually hear from in terms of emotions and, and deeper feelings is uh, was a uh, something that was important to me. I mean, we didn't talk about yet why I made the film, but I could just mention here that my dad passed away and my mom was in her early 70s and she asked me one day, who's ever going to hug me again? Who's ever going to touch me? You know, all my life I've been held I've been a partner in a, in a, with a soulmate. Uh, and now all of a sudden, in one day, I'm just alone in the world. And you know that got the ball rolling in my head, I think. And I, I thought she can't be the only person in a, a world that is aging so quickly. And there's such a huge population, a demographic shift. She can't be the only person who's finding herself suddenly alone and questioning who am I inside now? Who am I as an intimate emotional being from here on in? So that mm -hmm. kind of got the research part of my brain going. And I, I thought I wanted to hear from more people. And if I could put a story together, that would be a really great, uh, a great uh, contribution to the, the research and to the thinking about life and aging and loneliness. So do you go about thinking, how can I make this interesting and entertaining and also meaningful is are, are those the goals that you set out for yourself when you're making a film well for sure i first of all i kind of came up with an overarching idea which i wrote down and put up over my desk which was how does love change as we get older does it change and if it does how um and then uh, the question for a, any kind of a storyteller, a filmmaker, or any kind of a creative artist is how to give it shape. Um, you know, there's a lot of different stories out there, but the goal is not just to tell a story that appeals to me, but to get audiences interested, to get uh, the public also interested. And I knew that um, doing something with experts in lab coats and psychologists and people talking about the issue wasn't going to really make have, you know, have much of an effect on people. Uh, the same way that stories from the voices of people that are living this and struggling with the issues would have. So I spent months uh, traveling the country and talking to uh, groups at senior residential communities and uh, trying to find a story that would uh, that would that would bring this topic to life. And uh, eventually, I heard in Colorado Springs Senior Center they were having a speed dating event for seventy and older. And you know something in your mind of a filmmaker, I guess it just kind of clicks. You, you're looking for a hook for your movie, and suddenly you find something that speaks to you in a, in a really uh, a bigger way. It isn't just about loneliness and age. It's about love. It's something that anybody could really relate to. And it's also funny. 
in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. I mean, people were hysterical <laughs> when I told them there's going to be a speed dating event for you know people in their 70s and 80s. They said, I would see that. Of course, I'd go see that. You know, my grandmother going speed dating. So, you know, that gave me a hook into a deeper topic. I knew my underlying topic was uh, the true emotional reality of aging, of intimacy, of loneliness. But the story, the overlying narrative story of the speed dating event gave it a structure and a way in so people would come and see it and want to be... Uh, you know, they, they would come for the candy and stay for the nutrition. You know? <laughs> well, it's clear that you care deeply about this subject. It's, you know, it's affected you uh, when your dad died and seeing your mom alone. And, and I'm wondering how it is for you when people kind of, you know, might chuckle or might sneer about, uh, a speed dating event for people who could be their grandparents' age. How do you deal with that? Well, it's fine because that's the reflection of our society. I mean, I didn't come into it thinking people would take the high road and look at this as a, you know, a super serious topic. It is funny. I mean, we don't see older people... Um, searching for love on a daily basis. I mean, the message that we get from our media has always been older people are not growing. They're dependent now. They reached a different point in life. And uh, the messages are about financial services and digestive aids <laughs> and social security. It's not about emotional growth. So, you know, there's no question that people would snicker at it. And in some ways that was fine, as I said before, because that means they're interested. They're thinking it's a funny idea. And, you know, they're inner sense of, of story thinks like, I go see that because I'm curious, you know, what would it look like to get older and to, to be looking for love? So mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's very reflective. I think the one of your guests, Ashton Applewhite, uh, I went to one of her talks once and she mentioned something that affected me that kind of got me on this track very strongly. She said that, uh, each stage of life has kind of a, a specific definition that, when we're in our teens, we're uh, learning, we're growing intellectually, we're finding our path in life. In our 20s, we're finding love, we're connecting with other people, we're putting our feelers out into the wider world. In our 30s, we're starting families, we're getting going on our career. In our 40s or 50s, we're building family, where our careers are blossoming, we're uh, product producing a lot of things for the world. And she said, 60, 65 and older doesn't have a definition like that anymore. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the, the land of old, I think she mm -hmm. called it. And so the default is there's nothing going on there. You know, there's we're not doing much and we're kind of just losing. And we feel uh, invisible at the. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this was, you know, very much my contribution to I knew when I went into it, I wanted to hear the voices of people. That was my goal is to get people talking about their inner lives, because I knew it wasn't what the society and the media tell us. There was something much more, uh, well, what we would call youthful. I mean, we don't change inside the way we do outside. And I don't think there's anyone involved in the film who didn't say to me at some point, inside, I'm still 25, inside, mm -hmm. I'm still 30. 
So that was the message I was trying to, to bring out. How does how did the experience of making the film and getting to know uh, these people change your view on your own aging? Uh, well, I guess there there I didn't know what to expect when I went into it. Uh, I again was looking for guides into a world I really didn't know much about, and you know I learned that there is a lot of loneliness that comes with watching the things you've built in your life, your family, your career, the things that defined you disappear. And we're more uh, at the at the mercy of, uh, you know, other people at some point in our life. A lot of older people stereotype themselves into being, well, I'm, I am must be beyond that because that's what the world tells me. I have no options. I have uh, you know, there aren't any places to go to find new companions. There aren't a lot of opportunities left. And I guess I realized little by little that it's important for me to create my own older age. It's not going to, to happen um, just by chance or, or just because I leave it up to the medical professions or the social work professions. Um, you know, in my own life, my grandparents, I had four grandparents that all lived within a mile of me growing up. And when they got old, my parents took care of them in the house for their entire lives. They Three of them died in their mid-90s, and they all were able to stay in their house with their family being cared for. Wow. Um, my mom now is the last uh, in her generation, and she's kind of alone. She has me and my sister who are always there for her and who visit and take care of things for her. But she doesn't have that sense of uh, like family in the neighborhood that's going to do, you know, to, to keep her living her regular life as long as she, she's alive. And then for me, I don't even have children. I mean, I'm not married and I don't have children. I don't really have any safety net at all. And those two generations, it's gone from, you know, a, a family that takes care of each other to a person who's just kind of has to invent his own aging um, picture. And I realize I have to create community. I have to look out for myself. I can't, uh, you know, wait to get old and not have anybody around. I need to think about community and I think need to think about connection. And I need to think about how I'm going to continue to grow and take responsibility for that now, I think, when I'm mm -hmm. younger and not wait and, and hope that there's an answer uh, that somebody else provides when I'm alone and I can't do that for myself anymore. Yeah. Do you do things like do you have sort of routines and habits, healthy kind of habits that you do in terms of like investing in your own longevity? Well, certainly I I exercise and I eat right. I mean, I do all the, the smart things that I can to try to keep uh, as healthy and youthful as possible. And I probably could do more in finding connection, uh, you know, social connection. Um, you know, it's, it's not my, it's not something that I, I think about enough probably <laughs> in my life, but I know that I have to be strong. I have to be healthy, uh, and mm -hmm. I have to take responsibility for that. Uh, my mom, I should say when she was taking care of her mother, 
realized that carrying her from the bedroom to the bathroom to bathe was becoming a, a, a stress on her back and her arms. And so she went to the gym and got a <laughs> personal trainer. Oh, wow. And to this day now in her 80s, she still goes three times a week and works out. So she's kind of an inspiration to me that that's, that's a responsibility you have to yourself to make sure that you have the strength to do, mm-hmm. to live the life that you intend to live. How has the film and the whole process affected your mom? Oh, she loves it. She's, uh, you know, my dad's death was the worst thing that could have happened in her life. It, it, it upended everything she was expecting and looking forward to and how she defined herself. Mm-hmm. But having the, that inspire this film and seeing it go out into the world and through the not just the screenings but the speed dating events we're setting up uh, lead to dozens if not hundreds of new relationships and even a couple of weddings so far that I know about that have come (laughs) from people who walked into the film seeing that makes her feel that that love that she shared with my dad is very much uh, is very much alive still mm-hmm. and is still affecting the world and she loves to come to screenings with me and she's always uh, you know hugely supportive of this it's kind of a legacy I guess of of the love that she had if it wasn't for that love the film never would have been made so she's a pretty integral part of it all wow yeah that's so interesting is I you know I am wondering if it's typical for filmmakers to have such a fondness for their subject matter and and for the people in the film you talked a little bit about um, at the screening you know really feeling love for some of these people and and being in touch with them is is that a typical experience for for film even you know even documentary filmmakers. Well, probably every experience is different uh, depending on what sort of information you're getting and what sort of relationships you're looking for. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to get when I came up with this idea. And frankly, I thought I probably would get very little because my own assumptions about older people were that this is something they'd be embarrassed about. You know, it was a real speed dating event. They really signed up without any knowledge that there could be a film made about it. And I got the list of people who had signed up and the organizer said, you have to go out and get permission from all of these 30 people before you're able to film. I had to get a a filming release. Um, And I thought at that point, well, it's a the idea is not going to happen because the people are probably embarrassed to admit (laughs) that Uh they're going out looking. I mean, this is my own assumption. This is my own probably ageist assumption about it, uh, that they probably haven't told their friends. They probably haven't told their children that they're out looking for new love. It's a very fraught topic. And uh, I thought, well, let me just take a shot at it. And I started calling around and trying to explain to people that, I'm not looking to make fun of them. I'm not looking to exploit them in some way, but I'm looking for guides into a world, an emotional world that I don't really know anything about. And the first woman 
immediately cut me off in my talk. And she said, look, she said, I'm 74 years old. And even my own children never ask me what's in my heart, what's in my, you know, what I feel about uh, loneliness or love or, or anything like that. They're just, they just do all the normal things. And mm-hmm. I would love to talk to you about what's in my heart. And she really stunned me. Uh, I called then over the next three days, all 30 people with kind of a renewed vigor. And on that first call, all 30 people said, yes, we're invisible in the world. You know, nobody mm-hmm. looks at us. Nobody cares about what we're feeling unless we're a, you know, a medical case <laughs> or something. And mm-hmm. why, why can't, why shouldn't we, you know, we, we have a voice and we want to be heard. And so that, at that point, I mean, when you're making a documentary, you don't have a script and you don't have a, a story, really. You just have an idea. And I knew that at that moment that it was going to be worth it because mm-hmm. I had tapped into something that was a story that had not been told, which is very rare. And I had people who were so excited to be a part of it. So I think that began the relationships right there. I was so thankful that I could walk in mm-hmm. as a stranger into people's kitchens and they would open up so completely. As you can see in the movie, people did not hold back mm-hmm. on the things they told me. And just as a sidelight to that, when we had the uh, premiere of the film and all of the speed daters were invited to come and see it with their families and friends, a lot of uh children and grandchildren and relatives of the speed daters came up to me afterwards and said, do you have any other footage of my mom or my dad or my grandma? She said, I've never heard any of this before. And, you know, maybe I could look at some of the footage and learn a little bit more about her and her life. And it just pointed out to me that there's such a need to talk about these issues that isn't happening now. And so you know, that gave me a feeling of like really connecting with Uh these people. And I I was thankful and I did create friendships with them as we went and, you know, gave them a sense of importance, Uh, gave them a feeling of once again, being the focus of people's interest and attention and support and care. And that was valuable to them and they rewarded me. So the relationships did grow. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me of some of the the skills that one learns as a therapist. I mean, you were really there to listen and understand. And that sounds like it was so, they were craving that. Yes. And I, I, you know, I don't know the world of documentary filmmaking, but it seems to me that that would be a pretty unusual, um, you know, experience that you would actually improve the lives of the subjects of your documentary well it it was a research project it wasn't a um you know i wasn't attacking or investigating anybody so you know it 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 was kind of interesting to me though that they actually brought me into the film i wasn't expecting to appear or even hear, hear my voice in the film but so much of what people said you could tell they were saying it to me as an individual, uh, not just as an interview mm-hmm. question. Uh, and so I did have to eventually find bits and pieces of myself that were left in the final film because that's how they were. Uh, that's how they were. They were. They were 
being empowered by that relationship that I had with them. And you mentioned earlier uh, the scenes where they're opening up their mm-hmm. envelopes uh, and finding out what matches they got. And you know, to me, that was the emotional heart of the mm-hmm. film because I could tell that they were... Um, they were letting me know personally. I was just sitting there. I was filming. I was doing sound. There was no crew. It was just me and them and the envelope with their results Mm. on the table. And each one of them was experiencing something that they were almost like teenagers again. Like Mm -hmm. they had, they were, their emotions were so, uh, on edge, like, will I be rewarded? Will I be uh-huh. rejected? Will people love me or not what love a, me? Will they select what me? What a private moment. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and to allow me to witness that and to film it was a, was a great gift, too. So just another reason that I, I created such, I think, uh, important relationships on both sides. You know, they trusted me, and I was thankful to them very much to present them as complete, uh, human beings in the final film. I, you know, one one scene stands out in in my mind, and I I commented it uh, on it uh, at, at the screening. But when the woman opened her, and I don't remember her name, but she opened her envelope, and there were two people, and she interpreted yes. that as such deep rejection, and was weeping. I mean, it was just heartbreaking moment. Right. And it's it, someone said, I think, at the Q&A that that just shows that people don't change all that much. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think it's true. Uh, the way that they responded was, you know, I've screened the film for high school audiences and people are 16 year olds are going, God, I know exactly what she's feeling, which exactly. is oh, kind of amazing of to me. People not only don't change that much, but to hear an 80 year old uh, express such sadness at not getting the love connection that she was hoping mm-hmm. for. And it, it speaks over generations, which is, I think, one of the most exciting things I've discovered on the film is it's not just for empowering older people to go out and uh, you know correct the loneliness, but it's for younger people to really start to have empathy for mm-hmm. what doesn't change in our hearts and that you can't judge a person by the, the, the wrinkles on their skin or the color of their hair. We're still mm-hmm. the same human being as mm-hmm. long as we're alive. When you were interviewing these folks, did you get a sense that the men and women were hoping for different things or they had different expectations going into this event? Um, not really. I think not really underneath it all, not really. Uh, men and women, I think, approach the event in different ways. Uh, I mean, you can't judge, you can't generalize. Older people are all different. Every single one, as Ashton also says, when you've seen one 80-year-old, you've seen one 80-year-old. And I believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, there, you know, men, I think, came to the event with more of a, a, a what would you call it, like a masculine uh patina they they kind of had a an attitude they kind of had their lines set up they were ready to brag about themselves a little bit more to get attention women i think were more uh you know emotionally open uh they you know they were 
doing more of the listening. A lot of the women said the men didn't, they just talked the whole five minutes and didn't ask me anything at all. You know, that's probably a, a social, uh, you know, just something that our society kind of tries to get, you know, especially in that generation, men have to be stronger and tougher and less emotional and women can be more, uh, have more emotion and feeling and, uh, and desire to connect and, and, and such. But I think underneath it all in private, the women and the men all expressed that I have so much inside of me still to give and nobody to give it to. Mm -hmm. I have so much time in my life that I spend alone that I don't want to spend alone. Um, there really was a, a common thread among the men and women who attended that, uh, something in their life was missing and they weren't ready just to give up and, and accept that. Mm -hmm. What are the, what, what's the future plan for the film? Well, it's kind of making its own, its own uh, life in the world. I, I'm just watching it grow. It, uh, I had no idea what would become of it when I first made it. And you know, I went to a lot of festivals. I was in a lot of festivals, but a lot of festivals said, well, you know, it's, there's, they're all 80 year olds. Like how many 80 or 80 year olds go to the movies? And, you know, I would say, well, that's not the point of the film. The film isn't just for older people. It's for, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's about love. It's not a story about aging. Mm -hmm. And so what I found is it's gone out in the world is that, uh, it's been taken up by a lot of different, uh, generations, different groups, uh, educational organizations, you know, universities, certainly, uh, healthy aging groups, uh, even a lot of baby boomer groups have, seen it as a way to encourage conversations with their parents uh, to kind of consider where they're going in life. Uh, they, today, the average lifespan is, you know, up to in their 80s and somebody in their 50s might have a lot of years ahead and they might have to face being alone. And we really haven't thought about that before uh, in a real productive way we assume will be taken care of but i think it's it's just started a lot of conversations and a lot of interest among so many different groups that i'm just watching it spread mm -hmm. around the world i mean i recently came back from brazil where we had 11 screenings uh to all different sorts of uh, uh public and educational groups i was in moscow and st petersburg uh it's been in new zealand it just seems that there's a like a minority, an overarching minority that cuts across societies and cultures and gender identities. Being old is a time of really having to fight a lot of new fights in life against loneliness, against being stereotyped. And everywhere the film goes, it seems to uh, inspire people to look at that really in a, in a, in a way that's not just the old way, but in a new way. So I'm following along with that and, uh, you know, just taking it where it goes and, you know, hopefully the speed dating events will start growing, um, with groups that aren't affiliated with the, with the film itself and they'll take on a life of its own and, um, uh, 
policy will change and uh, organizations will start being more supportive of of the lives of older adults. Mm-hmm. Are you working on any new projects or are you still pretty wrapped up in, in what's happening with um, Age of Love? I'm pretty wrapped up in it still. There's always new ideas that pop into my head. I've uh, looking at some of the uh, neurochemistry of connection and love is a topic that kind of takes me back to my early days as a research chemist. And that's something I've been looking at. And also the idea of aging and creativity is really interesting to me. Uh, How do we uh, tell stories as we get older? How do we create art as we get older that's different than it was when we were younger? So uh, you know, those are some ideas that I'm, I'm mulling around and I'm doing some basic research on, uh, but mm-hmm. nothing is, is being filmed yet. I saw that you had Pepper Schwartz as one of the people who endorsed the film, and she's pretty well known for her research in love and, and the whole question of, you know, what makes people fall in love, which we still don't really fully understand. Yeah, she's very much a pioneer in that. Uh, she's AARP's uh, ambassador for relationships and love. So she came on board really early with the film. And uh, you know, that's been a really uh, you know, an interesting relationship. Uh, there's a lot of people in society looking at aging from a lot of different ways. So, you know, that to be accepted by in some of those uh, organizations and be supported by them has been a really great a great boon for the film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, where would you like to send people? What, um, the, what's the best link for them to find out where they can see the film? Well, right, right now we're doing community screenings uh, and educational screenings, and the film is not available on Netflix or Amazon yet. Uh, but it will be probably in, uh, you know, in maybe next year or shortly thereafter. But the website for the film is theageoflovemovie.com. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of information on uh, the themes and story on the speed daters themselves, uh, as well as a list of where screenings are coming up. And we add new ones every week so stop back and see if there's one in your community and also if your community is interested in having a screening and sponsoring uh, hosting a screening Mm -hmm. there's a way on the website where people can sign up uh, and you know get us the basic information and i'll give them a call and uh, push ahead so they can have a, a screening and hopefully a speed dating event in their communities and get things rolling Mm-hmm. So I will put that all in the notes so people can reference that. And I so appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. It's just been such an interesting uh, process for me after seeing the film and then speaking with you and then and learning more about the whole, you know, the whole life of this film. Um, it's been a real pleasure and I appreciate you uh, speaking with me. Thank you. Yeah, it's been very, very fun, and I uh, look forward to hearing this online. Okay. Thanks so much, Stephen. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. Please subscribe, comment, and rate me on iTunes. I love those five stars. Like and share. 
Those actions help other people find the show. And I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com and tell me what you'd like to hear more about. Want more zest? Head over to NicoleChristina.com forward slash zestful aging, no spaces, where you can find my companion online course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.